From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, LHB Chief Financial Officer Lori Thompson talks to FNC reporter Brian Johnson. Thompson was promoted to CFO of the architecture and engineering firm in March. She's an advocate for women's education and is active with groups such as the Philanthropic Education Organization, a provider of scholarship support to female college students. All right. Well, I am pleased to be joined by Lori Thompson new chief financial officer for LHB. Uh, and LHB, uh, by the way, was founded in 1966 in Duluth and is an award-winning multidisciplinary architecture, engineering, and planning firm that serves clients nationwide. And Lori joined the firm's Duluth office as a bookkeeper in 1989, previously served as controller as CFO, she will serve as a member of LHB's leadership team and oversee financial compliance, reporting, planning, risk mitigation, and internal controls. So thank you, Lori, for taking some time to chat. Uh, thank you for inviting me here. Absolutely. How are you doing today? Really good. It's Friday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's the week went by fast with the holiday on Monday and it yes. Like it should only be Thursday, but <laughs> take it. Um, so I wonder if you could just start by first of all, congratulations on the recent promotion to thank you CFO. When did that promotion happen? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, probably sometime in March. Okay. And. Can you talk a little bit about your new duties as CFO? Sure. I would say that they're not too different from my previous role um, as controller. It, as far as the day-to-day duties and responsibilities, um, I think in a growing firm, so when I started, we were 40 people and now we're 250 people. And um, as a service industry, we tend to run lean, right? So people have to wear multiple hats. So through as I progressed through my career, I would say that, you know, a lot of the duties that I was doing were probably CFO duties as well as controller duties. So I think for me, the change is the title. So... Um, how I'm perceived both inside and outside my organization is a big change. And then you had mentioned, um, I am now a member of the leadership team. 
So uh, I'm serving in the top decision-making body for operations in our company and um, excited to be able to bring diversity of thought and ideas to that team. Excellent. And it also mentions in your bio that you've been started with the Duluth office in 1989. So I'm not a CFO, but just my math tells me that that's what, <laughs> 33 years? Yeah, that's so, a long time. Yeah, that is a long run. I've been with FNC for almost 25 years now, but you almost make me look like a rookie by comparison. <laughs> um, but it must be a good place to work since you've been there that long. Can you talk a little bit about your journey there and sort of rising through the ranks? Sure, absolutely. I started, like you said, in 1989 as a bookkeeper. Um, and the firm was about 40 people at that time. and the the climate and culture um, was really what kept me here, um, especially you know in a smaller company. We we're very team oriented. We were growing. It was exciting. Um, we celebrated our successes as a team, and we um, shouldered the difficult times as a team together. And even though we've grown now, we're 250 employees. Um, I think that the leadership and the employees have really worked hard to try to keep a lot of or most of that cultural aspect in this company, even though, you know, of course, we've had to infuse a lot of corporate um, policy and procedures uh, to comply with laws and and client requirements, but but still retaining that um, really team focus and um, keeping it, try to keep it a fun and enjoyable place to come to work every day. I understand you graduated from UMD, so didn't have to move very far from. <laughs> college to work geographically speaking at least um was this your first job actually out of college or um actually uh i went back to college i started college out of high school and then quit and started working at lhb and um went back as a non-traditional student and at the time i had i was married to young children full-time job and building a new house. So I, I understand work-life balance <laughs> and the lack thereof. Yeah, absolutely. It mentions also in your bio that you are pretty active in advocating for women's education. You've done some mentorship, things of that nature. I guess it's, we'll start maybe by asking you about the philanthropic education organization which provides scholarship support to female college students. Tell us a little bit more about that and how you became involved with that organization. Sure. So um, I've always been passionate about equality of all people. And uh, one way to act on that passion was to join this group, um, PEO, or Philanthropic Education Organization. Um, so we are a group of women who raise money for scholarships for women and um, 
the scholarships range um, for um, uh, women that are just coming out of high school, going into their first year, um, women returning to college later in life, and also women pursuing graduate level degrees. So some really nice scholarships for um, those folks. And how I joined, it's a it's a group of women. So you usually join through invitation of a friend. So that's how I joined the organization. But I, I serve as my chapter treasurer, of course. <laughs> I tend to get that assignment when I join boards or groups, right? Um, one other thing, too, uh, that I would like to share um, yeah. is our company established an endowment and was a major contributor along with other donors from our industry um, to fund scholarships awarded to women civil engineering students at UMD. Mm. So this is it to honor um, one of our Minnesota pioneers of female engineering, Roberta Dwyer. So she was with MnDOT for um, 39 years and through her career, um, worked on many large and complex projects throughout the Northland and was also a very strong mentor and role model to many uh, women engineers. Great. Mm -hmm. Have you seen, you've been in the industry for quite a while now, what kind of progress are you seeing in terms of more women getting involved in leadership positions, CFO type roles, that kind of thing? Are you seeing, I, I imagine there's, the industry has come a long ways, but still progress to be made. Yeah, I would say in the architectural and engineering industry, um, a, a lot of progress has made been made as far as um, women entering the field of, you know, STEM, engineering, architecture. But the, I think the struggle is in keeping women in that um, field. And a, a couple of um, statistics to throw out, and this is from SWE, which is the Society of Women Engineers. And the numbers are from 2019, so it's probably changed a bit, especially with COVID. But um, the I think it's 13% of engineers are women and less than 30% of women stay make a career of it you know stay to like 20 years mm -hmm. so uh, i think a lot of women leave the industry i think that um as a way to encourage women to stay in the industry and then progress in their careers to leadership positions uh, we need to remove some of the barriers to the industry and I think a couple of the major barriers are organizational climate. So um, things like old stereotypes and like, for example, men asking other men to check a woman's work because they don't trust that she has the ability, right? Same ability. Um, and ex another example would be a female engineer being asked to take minutes at the meeting or set up or clean up mm. you know so so some of those old uh gender roles are still 
uh, prevalent in our industry. My own personal experience, I can tell you, uh, I can walk into a room, a conference room that is already has men in it. And there's a lot of uh, casual banter and joking and laughing. And when I come into the room, that changes, right? The, the climate and the conversation becomes more controlled. So, so that's one, one thing, opportunities for advancement. So in the service industry, of course, time is money. And so those that work the most hours win, right? <laughs> They're deemed as, as the most dedicated and then are rewarded with bigger projects and more responsibilities. And, you know, that can that conflicts directly with work-life balance and probably forces a lot of women to have to choose family or career. So I think some of the ways that we can affect change is advocacy for equity. And that has to come from the top and it has to be genuine. And when I say genuine, I mean the genuine commitment to affect change in the organization. So interrupting our business as usual. Mm. Um, a lot of companies are going through the uh, diversity, equity, inclusion training or gender awareness training, right? So, and writing their equity statements, but, and those are great places to start, but then you can't just check those boxes and stop there, right? We have to keep doing the work to interrupt our business as usual. So some examples are um, adding diversity to your board of directors, adding diversity to leadership, um, adding diversity to internal committees, for example, compensation committees, changing your policies and processes um, to ensure transparency and equal access to resources and opportunities for all people. And to as leaders to be asking the question always, who is not at the table, who is not represented here, and other, you know, who who will not benefit from this policy or this process that we're implementing. So I think that that would be a good start. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, congrats for working on that. So it sounds like it's not just a matter of hiring getting more diversity in hiring, but also the, the culture at the organization is a huge factor there. Right. So lots of improvement in the education and the hiring, but the ability to keep women in the careers. And another um, article I was just reading was the top two reasons women leave engineering is the organizational climate and the opportunities for advancement are not transparent or equal. Um, that is also the two reasons when they interviewed the women that stayed longer than 20 years. Mm. The same two reasons are why they stayed. So, mm. yeah, interesting stuff. And, you know, certainly it would benefit the entire industry to have more diversity and um, just it makes business sense as well as being the right thing to do. And I know I have, I have three daughters and certainly want them to have the same opportunities that anyone else has. So 
congrats for working on that and sort of taking up that cause. Absolutely. I want to mention another thing in your bio talked about how you have volunteered also with Junior Achievement USA, um, which includes visiting Duluth area classrooms to talk with students about careers and professional success. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that that was really fun. So it, it I, I had done it at different levels. So in um, in the grade school level, it was more about um, I guess introduction to my industry. So engineering and architecture, and and developing some fun product or projects that the kids could work on. So they they have this at that stage in their life, they're thinking about careers that are maybe different than, you know, your more mainstream, right? So probably a lot of kids in grade school aren't thinking about being an architect or engineer. So that was a lot of fun because selling my industry is a lot of fun <laughs> and working with kids are fun too. And then I also um, did it, did a program in the high schools that was called the economics of staying in school. Mm-hmm. So um, just going through why it's so important to get that high school diploma, right? Stay in school, get that diploma and the doors that it opens for you after that. So, Yeah. And hopefully something can be done about the cost of higher education too um, <laughs> for everybody. Absolutely. It's, really hitting home to me now i have a my middle daughter just graduated from high school and is looking at colleges maybe even umd so we'll see about that but that's that's, right there's the the college track and then the trade schools actually because of uh such a need for people in the trades mm -hmm. you know i could i see that they'll offer um paid kind of, you know, a paid program. So you go to school and you're getting paid um, to go to school and learn that trade. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good point. You know, just talking about the industry in general now and sort of what you're seeing out there. I know that LHB has been working on some cool projects. I just wrote actually just yesterday about the Hillcrest development in St. Paul and I know that I've talked to Rick Carter about that. LHB is doing some some really cool stuff with that project. Um, But what are you seeing out there as just as a company as a whole? You've been staying pretty busy and even, you know, through through COVID and everything else. Yeah, actually, um, during COVID, we probably had some of our biggest years ever in history as far as growth and revenues. and we, we do continue to stay busy. I think what really helps our company is we are um, very diverse in our markets that we serve. We are also diverse in the services and disciplines that we um, provide. So that diversity helps us um, when one market or two markets are down, uh, other markets will be up. So I think that's really what has helped this company navigate um, a lot of the economic downturns that we've experienced throughout my tenure here. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent. Well, you've been generous with your time, Lori. I appreciate that. Are there any parting thoughts before I let you go? Um, <laughs> you have a compelling story, so I'm, I'm glad you joined us. Thanks. Thank any you. Thoughts? Um, I, I guess just uh, to other women that are in maybe a male dominated industry is just hang in there and keep, keep fighting. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think, and I'm hopeful that changes, changes coming. Yeah. Hopefully our daughters will have a, have a better place <laughs> and then, and their daughters even better still. So keep, keep the progress. Keep, Hopefully we'll keep progressing. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Lori. Have a great Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks.